Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. You're listening to Blue Jays Nation Radio with Cam Lewis and Tyler Uremchuk, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts, Episode 178 of Blue Jays Nation Radio brought to you by Botano. NFL season just around the corner. The September playoff push in Major League Baseball happening right now. Hockey season not far away. They have a ton of futures options up right now. The game starts now at Botano.ca. 19 plus. Please play responsibly after riding solo last episode. Coomzy is back for this episode. How's it going, buddy? It's not bad. This is this is a prime example, though. This Oakland series. This is this is one of those ones we've talked about many times, which is when the vibes start real good. You win the first two, though. I, I I'm not going to say the vibes were spectacular in the first two. They did win, and then they didn't sweep, and it feels like they lost the series. The Blue Jays are sitting in a playoff spot as we speak right now. They just won a series. It's an off day. They're going into a series against a bad team, another one, and then they're going to play the team that's right in the playoff mix with them, another team that's struggling and the vibes still don't feel good and it's worrying it's worrying i'm trying to be positive but it's worrying yeah what did we uh what did we kind of say was like the minimal acceptable record they had to go at least 10 and 5 in this games to do that they now need a sweep somewhere or they need to sweep kc yeah because they're what are they what are they in the stretch now my math is not that good seven and five i think yeah, they're seven yeah, and five. It's been so. seven and five thus far. And I mean, thankfully, Texas apparently has a knock on wood that I'm not jinxing this right now. It, it, it appears based on the way things have gone for the Texas Rangers, they have no interest in playing in the playoffs. They're like, look, we're the Texas Rangers. We know what happens when we play in the playoffs. We know what happens in the American League Division Series. This is bad. Let's just not. And that's what they've decided. And the Blue Jays don't seem all too interested in playing in October either. But the Rangers, man, they, they really don't want to be there. So <laughs> we're, we're by default back into a playoff spot. It feels. Yeah. The Rangers got the wheels beat off them by basically just Jose Altuve. We'll talk about that in a little bit when we get to Brett and the AL wildcard report. Um, let's, let's dig into this series three up three down for the three games in Oakland, which is just a ballpark that has no vibes like that place. It's <laughs> like, a, it's basically like a funeral is happening every game. Yeah, it's I I don't know. I feel bad. I feel I feel bad for the athletics fans watching what's gone on there. Like the the Coliseum's a million years old. They've needed something new forever, but their owner is not going to, you know, privately go and build a stadium. He's going to lobby the government for public funding and that's what's gone on for so long and now the team's so bad and you know, it's it, we've talked about this earlier in the year. It's all part of the big scheme to move the team to Vegas with a shiny new stadium. And you feel bad for the fans, but 
then again, also, when you look at the whole thing, the whole situation, your team goes and plays there and you see the stadium and you see all of it, you're like, oof. you can kind of see why Major League Baseball does want to get out of there. It's a pretty rough and ugly environment. There was one point on the broadcast where they were showing, I think it was just Chris Bassett, like warming up or like before an inning, he just had the ball and the way the camera was, it literally felt like they were playing inside of a warehouse. Like it, it felt like there was a roof. It was dark. And in the back, it looked like there was a bunch of like boxes and stuff and storage. It looked like they were playing in a warehouse or a basement. It was weird. It was. And I mean, that one day when it was all the dogs in the ballpark, too, it was just like more dogs than people. It seemed like it was weird. Uh, anyways, they won the series. So let's start with the ups. Let's be a little bit positive here. And let's start with Chris Bassett, actually. Let's give him our first up because that was just an absolute gem of a start. Um, and I think it was the Bassett Hound doing it on Dog Day at the park as well, which was funny. Uh, eight innings only allows the one earned run. He was absolutely nails for this Jays team and in a game where they needed someone to come through. Yeah, it was kind of one of those, uh, it was one of those perfect things. Um, Bassett's one of the two guys on the Jays, I think, that was a member of the Oakland A's when they were pretty good, Bassett, and he was on the team with Matt Chapman, of course. That team also had, you know, Matt Olson, who's now killing it in Atlanta. Liam Hendricks, of course, has dealt with the health issue and the injuries and all of that, but the Athletics had a good team a few years ago, and now all those guys are all over Major League Baseball, and I kind of get the feeling when they come back, they you know, they want to show ownership or management or whoever it is. Hey, like maybe you should have paid me to stick around. We probably could have done something here. And Chris Bassett rolled in and put together. He's, he's done this a few times this year with these spectacular starts, eight or nine innings. You know, he's got the complete game shutout, but in this one, it was, he was just completely dominant. It was eight innings, only the one earned run, seven hits, zero walks, which you love to see seven strikeouts. It's his second game in a row, second start in a row that he hit eight innings pitched and he now leads the American league in wins. I think he's tied for the lead now when, when I did the notes he was leading and then sixth in all of major league baseball and in innings pitched, which is, it's really good. I mean, I remember in the off season, people were, and I was one of those people. I was like, they, they really should bring Ross Stripling back. He, he, you know, he was fantastic. He's good enough to be a starter. He's familiar with the catchers, familiar with the team. And I was a little bit skeptical when they opted to let Stripling go and then brought in somebody else, especially the money the Bassett got paid. I was kind of, eh, I don't know about this, but you see the, you see how just effective a straight up like innings logger can be a guy who's going to give you 200 innings and what that looks like. Bassett's been really good. He's been, he's right up there towards the top of the American league in ERA. Like I just said, he's right up there in innings pitch. Like the Jays, the Jays did really well with this signing. Yeah. And again, I think it's just another example of Atkins and Shapiro. They don't really manage with their hearts at all. Like we can go back to the Robbie Ray thing as well. Right. And this is almost like a lowercase version of it where Robbie Ray comes in and wins the Cy Young. The easiest thing in the world is just to pay him all the money. Like there would have been no complaints. There would have been no friction. No one would have pushed back if you would have just given Robbie Ray a ton of money. And be like, hey, he won a Cy Young. How do you not pay him? No, they decide to let him walk. They think there's a better option out there. And there was in Kevin Gosman. And this is kind of the same thing. Ross Stripling loved in the clubhouse. Fan base loved the guy was a tremendous story. You gave up decent prospect capital to get the guy when you traded him. No one would have blamed you if you just opened up the purse strings a little bit and shelled out whatever it took to bring him back. Instead, you kind of go, eh, we think we can spend that money better and get better. They did with Chris Bassett. Like it's undeniable that the results with Chris Bassett are much better than what they would have been had they just brought back 
Chris Bassett. That was an absolute gem of a start. You mentioned it in his former ballpark there going up against a team that I think he does kind of want to stick it to his ERA now down to 3.69 on year. It's been great. Uh, second up, I got the last series Coombsy, uh, when I was talking with Michael Bradburn and we were recapping things, it was all about the Buffalo boys, the three Clement and Schneider, the guys they called up from Buffalo were doing all the hitting one guy who's kind of thrown up his hand and said, don't forget about me is Santiago Espinal in the month of September. This is from our friends at blue Jays today. He's batting 429 with an OPS of 1.038. With Chapman out, Espinal stepped up and he had another really good series. Yeah, um, if if you want to take it back even just like a, a little bit longer, it's uh, since Bo went on the injured list, Espinal is ten for twenty with five RBIs, like far and away his best stretch of the season. This is somebody who, I mean, most of us Jays fans all over the place were comfortable with him being designated for assignment to you know open up a spot on the forty four. Whoever was it, you know, mid season maybe it was Nelson Cruz, a big bat like that. At the trade deadline maybe it was I don't know a Tommy Pham, somebody like that. That with a bigger bat, uh, there's guys in AAA. Everyone would have preferred seeing over Espinal. Everyone just sort of wrote him off. Um, I mean, I'm not going to sit here and say, hey, this is a 2022 All-Star that you're writing off. This guy was on the All-Star team. It, it doesn't really matter. He got in through the fan vote. He had a hot start to the season. But, you know, the All-Star thing, the thing is arbitrary. But there was also a reason he was there. He had that great start to the year last year. And he showed this. I can be like, in a pinch, a capable starting player in Major League Baseball. But generally... My, my, my role is to be a very good bench player. And we haven't really seen it this year, both with the bat and the glove. But as the games have gotten more important and the Jays have been more injured, more banged up, Chapman's on the IL, Bo's on the IL, basically the entire, you know, um, side of your infield is on the injured list. Espinal stepped up and that's what the Jays need. Everyone's really excited about the new guys from Buffalo, but don't forget about, <laughs> you know, San Diego Espinal and Cabin Biggio, those guys, those were the OG you know, Buffalo boys, right. They were the ones who came up that everybody was excited about a few years ago. And it's, it's kind of funny just seeing how players just get passed over by the next guy in the cycle. Another guy kind of similar boat to Espinal as well, as we keep going along with our ups, uh, Kevin Biggio. I mean, he's another example of injuries hit. Someone's got to take on a bigger spot in the lineup. I mean, the first game of the series, he was batting in the two hole. And in the last week, again, with all the injuries, Biggio's been really, really good. Six for 18. He's driven in four runs. He's walked six times as well. So, I mean, when you take a look at that, six for 18, you factor in the walks, he's getting on base 50% of the time. It's really, really impressive to see the way Kevin Biggio's been playing. Another guy who we all kind of wrote off two months ago. Yeah, exactly. This is just like I said with Espinal. I can give the exact same spiel. This is somebody that so many of us were comfortable. Just get him off the active roster, get him off the 40, let him go, throw him on waivers. Who cares? Open up the spot, you know, addition by subtraction just by getting rid of this guy. But yeah. You know, it's it's kind of funny where we talk about this Espinal and Biggio as the ups and there's there's been this kind of hope that they can be the uh, like a platoon player, probably not at third base, but maybe at second base, maybe came into the year with that being the hope you have one lefty, one righty. If you add them together, you have a very good second baseman and it hasn't really worked out, but now down the stretch, you're kind of seeing it. And Biggio is one player that he had a rough go for a long time, largely offensively. And he he was lumped in with the bows and the Vlads when they came up. And 
I, I guess that maybe manipulated the expectation of what he should be. Maybe there was too much thought and too much expectation that he should be like an all-star caliber second baseman or something of the sort. When in reality, he's your, I'm trying to think of a comparable, like your Marwin Gonzalez, somebody like that plays a bunch of positions, 10th guy in your lineup, you know, not starting every day moves around. The thing that I enjoy most about Biggio is I'm, I'm, I never really feel that good when he comes up to the plate that he's going to, you know, smack a home or lace a double or something like that. Even though he does, the thing that I feel best about is that he's actually going to see pitches. He's going to draw a walk. He's going to make the, the pitcher work. And these are kind of like old school arbitrary things that you like to see when you're watching a game. But I don't know. I, th- I, I think it is helpful and necessary, especially when you're a team like the Jays that struggles as much as they do with literally any pitcher they face that you need someone and I've, I've praised Brandon Belt for this in the past as well you need players on your team that in the lineup that <laughs> can take walks and see pitches and that's what I'll always appreciate about Biggio I don't think there's there there aren't too many instances where he comes up and you think wow that was terrible at bat you'll see him get beat or be overmatched but it's it's not every single time it's not like you're you're like he'll actually see pitches which <laughs> I think is something that it would be nice if that spread further in the lineup. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, couple other ups, I guess, if we want to have a few minor ones here, I thought they were fine with runners in scoring position and they actually got a handful of clutch hits. I mean, you go back to that first win of the series, uh, extra innings, a game you very easily could have lost, but you go and pop home three in the top of the 10th. Santiago Espinal was front and center for all of that with a nice little pinch hit double. Um, and they could have won by more as well. If there wasn't that weird play where the ball just got stuck right under the fence, Vladdy came around to score. They had to review it. Vladdy had to go back to third. It was annoying, especially for a guy who had Jay's minus one and a half on uh, Botano. But anyways, um, I thought Jose Barrios was solid as well. Coomsey, he gave them a good seven strikeouts, went six innings, only allowed the two earned runs, did everything he could to help them win. Um, I also thought Ryu, even though he only went five innings, I thought he was fine as well. So um, not really a lot to complain about from this series as we switch to the downs like they're two or three against Oakland frustrating, but like the results I thought were mainly positive. Yeah. The pitching, uh, I think for the most part was fine. The, the one pitching performance I have written down in the, in the, in the downs is Trevor Richards got shelled for, I think that was what, like the third yeah. time he's gotten lit up since coming back from the injured list. Uh, it was it was the bats in this series. Again, the, the pitching got the job done. Like, you know, Ryu has the five inning start, but that's what he does. He comes in, he's five and dive and you hope the bullpen can give you four good innings. It didn't happen this time. Barrios was good enough to win. The bullpen came in, allowed a few home runs uh, to tie the game up. The Jays wound up winning. And then of course, Bassett, as we touched on, he was amazing. Only needed one inning and in relief after that. So yeah, the pitching, the pitching is probably not going to be the problem for the Jays down the stretch though. Potentially it could be if the bats, you know, if, if, if the bats don't provide them any, any space, any buffer, anything, then every inning they pitch is going to be a stressful taxing inning. And they, they need some blowout wins mixed in there. They need more of those seven ones where your starter goes eight innings. They need more games like that. There have been so few of them this year. Like I don't have like a, like a running tally or anything. I, maybe I should have been doing that as the season went along so we could keep track of how many, you know, ass kickings and tight games there were, but like there really haven't been many games where, the bullpen's pretty much just been able to have a day off. Right. And I think that, that, that might be wind up being an issue in the final few weeks of the season here that they never get to pitch chill innings. The bats need to, uh, Christ, we've said this so many times, the bats need to figure this out. <laughs> Otherwise 
you know, no matter your, your pitching has to be pretty much perfect if the bats are going to be like this. Yeah. Um, let's talk a little bit about bats. You mentioned Richards as our first down 9.64 ERA since coming back from the IL. The only reason I don't think that it's a bigger deal that one of their best relievers from early in the year has totally fallen off a cliff is that they have so many other good options in the bullpen that like you should be able to make it work if Trevor Richards is going to struggle for a bit. Um, but how about the fact that the Oakland A's throw out a couple of randos in a few starts and I mean, Kent Waldachuk, I had some things to say on the last episode about him because I said every one of his starts, I went back and looked through the numbers. He either walks every batter or he's in the zone and he gets hammered. And yet he goes out six innings, no earned runs. It was frustrating once again to see the Jays struggle against no name starters. Yeah, it, it really doesn't even matter who they're going up against. Like in the notes, I was I was writing about the Kansas City series, putting down the ERAs of the starters they're going to face. And I guess we'll go into more detail about this later. But you see guys with a 5.34 ERA or a 6.23 ERA that Kansas City are going to be sending out this weekend. And I have no confidence that you're going to be able to hit these guys at all. Like, I feel the same going into a game against, you know, I don't know, Justin Verlander or whatever. Um as I do going into a game against JP Sears or Ken Waldachuk, like who even are these guys? <laughs> they're, they're, they're random guys. They're, they're, they're depth players to fill out an Oakland A's roster that is actively trying to lose games. So that the fans don't show up so they can move the team. Like this is, this, these are the pitchers that the Jays can't hit. And it's, it's stunning. I, I, I don't think it's an ability thing with the hitters. And I, I don't really want to be one of those guys that's like fire the hitting coach. He's telling them to aim the ball the wrong way or some, some nonsense like that. But I don't know, man, seeing this amount of players hit below their career averages or struggle all at the same time is it's very weird to me. Something feels very off. Something feels wrong about the approach. You shouldn't be getting lit up by or shut down by Ken Woldachuk and JP Sears on back to back days. This isn't the first time this has happened. This happens all the time. Jays are, I think I shut down recently by Noah Syndergaard, who <laughs> was DFA'd immediately. Yeah. Like this happens. Uh, it happens way too much. Like I, we, we can, um, we can call it the, I guess the curse of Ryan Mallet or Merritt or whatever his name was the 2016 Cleveland guy, but I don't think it's a curse thing anymore. I think this is a, they have got the completely wrong approach going, whatever, whatever they're trying to do is this. It ain't it. Let's uh, let's have the Vladdy conversation again. It's our third down again a lot of frustration about his series out there and i'm wondering if it's just time at this point in the season let's just temper and change what is success for vladdy because i look at those three games against oakland he walked three times he got three hits in the three games that's what we expect out of vladdy i don't think he should be hitting three anymore but at the same time with everybody out of the lineup what choice do you have it, this year's not going his way, and there are things he will need to fix in the offseason. But I think the expecting Vladdy to have a bow like September from last year, the ship sailed. Like, this is what Vladdy will bring the Jays. He'll probably get you a hit every game, might get on base another time too. But if you're expecting clutch home runs and big RBI doubles, it's, it's not going to happen. Yeah, I think. <laughs> It's, it's, it's gotta be a different approach because I do feel like, um, there's no way to sit here and, and pretend that Vladdy's had a good season or, you know, like there was, there was at least an argument last year that it was like, well, you know, gold glove, first baseman over 800 OPS, a good amount of dingers. Sure. That's a fine season below our 
perhaps unreasonable expectations from when he was the number one prospect with, you know, the best hit tool ranking of all time and this and that, like we all expected him to come up and be, you know, a thousand OPS guy every single season. The worst case scenario is that he winds up being prime Edwin Encarnacion. That, you know, that's what we thought at that time. But this year, there's there's really just no way to sit there and look at it and say this has been good. Um, he the defense isn't really there either, though it was better in Oakland this time around. But I think, yeah, like you like you said, the expectations just have to change. Three, four, eleven, three singles, three walks, didn't strike out. Um, not exactly a terrible series. It's just, I feel like now it's become a confirmation bias for most people. It just started off with being disappointed in Vladdy because he, you know, wasn't becoming the superstar player that I guess we hoped or were told that he was going to be. And then people started to kind of turn on him a little bit because of that. And now it's just, you know, uh, a lot of people are pretty comfortable just, uh, you know, filling him in is the key reason why the Jays aren't all that good this year. And it's his approach. He's not trying hard enough. Everybody was mad that he was watching a ball in the air and it could have been a double wound up just being a single. Yeah. Not the best thing ever, but also not the end of the world. I, I, I do think that at this point, people are just sort of watching for it with Vladdy, even if he has a solid series, like a, like a good one then people are still going to find something wrong with it. So I don't know. It's, an, it's one of those never ending topics. I, I, I wonder if there's an injury or something going on um, back in May, he missed a few games and then he was pulled from a game against the Yankees when he, when he was um, fielding a ball in front of first base in the infield. And he seemed to um, mess his knee up a little bit, missed a couple of games. And since he's come back from that, he's been quite bad. So I wonder if it's that I've also speculated in the past that this whole thing is him struggling with, you know, a tremendous amount of pressure, uh, coming up and being the star, not an easy thing to do. So I think that there was a lot of pressure put on Vladdy in Toronto to be that guy. And I don't know, maybe, it, maybe at the end of the day, it just won't work out here and it'll feel figure it out somewhere else, or maybe he'll figure it out here. Maybe he won't, who knows? It's impossible to say, but for 2023, my thoughts on Vladdy are pretty much exactly what you just said. Good on base guy in the middle of your lineup. That's, that's what the expectations are now, which is stunningly different from March. I do wonder a little bit about the injury thing you just said, because we saw him DH for three straight games. He DH the final game against Colorado and then the first two against Oakland. And when the lineup came out for that third straight game, I was kind of like, you know, I I get there's other things. They were getting Horowitz in there for one. And I know belt, but like, even when belt was out, like Vladdy was still DHing. And I just felt like that was kind of weird. It felt like, they were trying to intentionally take some work off his plate. So I wonder if there's not something to the injury thing, but again, we'll, we'll find out about that when the season's done where they're not going to come out right now and be like, yeah, Vladdy's fighting something, but like playing through it, he's grinding, being a good soldier. Like it's just not going to happen. So um, there you go. There's your three up, three down. The Jays take two of three from the Oakland A's. Perhaps the biggest up of all though, is that they are in sole possession of the third and final wildcard spot. That is the big one. Uh, before we talk a little bit more about what went on around the American League, uh, just a couple or really one other storyline to touch on right now, Coomzy. The Alec Manoa thing's getting weirder and weirder, isn't it? Like this whole he's down in Buffalo, but now he's on the inactive list in AAA. And after he stayed in Toronto for as long as he did and wasn't even down in Buffalo, it's weird. And the amount of silence around some of the reporters, I also think is weird. I wonder if it's not maybe like a, not to be tinfoil hat here, but like a Rogers is kind of giving it the old 
mm, we're going to keep this under wraps a little bit because I was listening to Blair and Barker the other day and the two of them who usually don't shy away from sharing an opinion on anything were both just kind of like, ah, let's not get into it. And I was like, that's why, why are you not getting into that right now? It's weird. Like I am very curious to see what happens this winter kind of weird. Yeah, it is. It's, it's certainly a strange situation. And I mean, I think, I think my stance on it and I've kind of gone back and forth with what to think has happened here. And I think this, the stance that I'm, I'm going to take is that when he went down in June, I do believe that the best course of action was to stop and look forward to 2024 just get whatever your problem is right maybe it was conditioning maybe he was too heavy maybe he couldn't handle the pitch clock because of it he put on a lot of muscle over the offseason got quite a bit thicker maybe he was trying to add velo and it just you know it didn't work and you know you're you're, you're coming into the season as this pitcher who's you know, recently almost won the Cy Young award. You're, you're getting a spot on MLB dot our MLB TV to, to talk about what's going on. You're, you're the face of the blue Jays. You're one of the faces of the blue Jays, I guess, maybe the face of their pitching staff. And you know, you're, you're, you're in your third season. You're, you're soon going to start getting paid big money. And then over the span of a couple of months, this all implodes, this all disappears. You're, you're getting lit up every single game and you have to keep going out because there isn't a sixth starter. And I think that's kind of what it came down to is there, you, you couldn't just keep using Trevor Rich and Bowden Francis every fifth day because you're basically rolling with five or six relievers otherwise. And the Mitch White had fallen off a cliff. The other guys, Zach Thompson, Drew Hutchison, they just weren't good enough. So, you know, I think the goal probably would have been to keep him down the whole time. Then they brought him up and then it just opened the whole can of worms again. A good start here, a bad one there. It's very difficult to draw conclusions. I think my best guess would be this is something that's affected Alec Manoa mentally quite a bit. And I think there's a bit of an effort by the Jays to kind of shield them from all of it. And that's why it's all just, let's just sweep it under the rug and pretend this whole thing isn't happening. They keep saying he's going to pitch in Buffalo to build up for a starters workload. That's obviously not going to happen. I, I I'd be shocked if we saw Alec Manoa throw another pitch this season, I would be even more shocked if at some point they called him up to make a spot start because you know, someone's not feeling good or something like that. Uh, I, I, I do think back in June, it should have just been, let's go to Dunedin and figure this thing out but for for a handful of different reasons that didn't happen and i i i think that the hush hush is for the player's benefit i think that keeping him away from the limelight and being in the news cycle every single day is probably beneficial to him as a person i think that's what matters the most clean slate 2024 is kind of what i'm hoping for right now um really love the player like you talking about face of the pitching staff one of the faces of the team because of his personality that's what makes him so likable so made him a fan favorite last year aside from the incredible results he was getting it's a shame that it's gone the way it has but I, I definitely think clean slate 2024 should be kind of the motto here um all right let's step aside for a quick break when we come back we'll go around the american league one size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. 
So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Moving along on episode 178, brought to you by Botano. We'll have some odds in just a second. And but first, let's bring in our pal Brett Holden to tell us what the hell went on in Texas between the Astros and Rangers. It was the Jose Altuve show. And we thank Jose Altuve for that performance. Oh, how sweet is it? And although I, I, I put my Dodgers alliance to the side, and yes, I will praise the Astros a little bit and Jose uh, Altuve a little bit here as they did sweep the Texas Rangers and put them half a game back of guys this is my first AL wildcard report as the Toronto Blue Jays are now in the final wild card spot. Oh, how sweet it is. And yes, it was because of Jose Altuve and the Houston Astros as they not only swept the Texas Rangers, they took them to the cleaners. 13-6 win in game one, 14-1 in game two, and 12-3 in game three. Now the Rangers have the Oakland A's coming up, and it doesn't look like they're going to be too, too healthy, although they will be getting a pitcher back. Adolis Garcia it left yesterday's game after trying to rob a homer from the Astros and uh, he came down a little awkwardly on his knee, had to leave the game. We shall see. He has been struggling recently, but he did hit that uh, clutch home run in the last series for them. But uh, speaking of the pitchers as well, that will be coming back. Nathan Evaldi has been activated from the IL. Now let's go to the top of the wild card race is the Tampa Bay Rays who sit eight games on top or above all these wild card teams. They just played the Boston. Red Sox and the Red Sox got a sneaky quick one on them 7-3 win in that game but then the Rays just went and won two more Tyler Glasnow having a career high 14 K's in game three they face off against the Seattle Mariners starting today we have a couple of pitching battles in that one Luis Castillo versus Zach Little and then jo- uh, George Kirby excuse me faces off against Taj Bradley uh The Seattle Mariners also coming off of a pretty interesting series with the Reds as well. They sit a game and a half uh, back as or game and a half ahead, excuse me, as uh, they faced or they played the Reds and lost two of the three against the Reds, six, three and seven, six. But Logan Gilbert threw a great game in the third uh, game of the series. He struck out nine through his game there. They won eight to four. Now the Mariners on this road trip are one four so this is kind of seems to be a little bit of a rolling trend potentially for uh the mariners and as mentioned they have the top of the table here 
the uh, Tampa Bay Rays to face next coming up. Now, let's get over to the uh, Tampa, uh, already mentioned the Tampa Bay Rays. Let's talk about the Boston Red Sox, excuse me. They played the Tampa Bay Rays, <clears throat> got that first win, 7-3. to Outside of that, got a tough loss. Now, they face the Baltimore Orioles in their next series. This will be a big series to watch for Jays fans. This may be a, a potential start for a little bit of a gap growing for the uh, Toronto Blue Jays against the, or for between them and the Red Sox, excuse me. A lot of news, however, around the Red Sox. The first one coming as Larry Vano, this kind of comes away from the team, but in their game against the Rays. In their game against the Rays on Wednesday, MLB umpire Larry Vanover missed a season high 29 calls. 29. I don't think I can count that high. Uh, he missed 29 calls in the game Wednesday. Little When you have Sports Illustrated writing about MLB umpires, maybe not. But uh, some more injury news for the Red Sox here. Corey Kluber's to start his rehab assignment on Friday. Uh, Alex Verdugo, speaking of Friday, he is aiming for a Friday return as well. And James Paxton, good old Canadian boy, uh, he was pushed to an early next week start. Uh, he has an arm fatigue there. And I do want to mention one thing about Vladdy, as I have been doing uh, some uh, chatting or research around double plays Vladimir Guerrero Jr. has grounded into the 22nd most double plays in MLB history oh (laughs) I thought you were gonna say he's 22nd like in the majors this year and I was about to be like ah not that bad seems like more oh that's not good (laughs) is he so wait oh for his whole career so 22nd all-time in big league history already Absolutely. He's be the all-time leader at some point, if that's true. <laughs> oh, boy. There is only one active player ahead of him, and that is Miguel Cabrera. <laughs> who's played in the league for 20 years <laughs> oh, since he was born. But that has been your AL wildcard report. Ah, All right. Cool. Thanks, right? You, you end it with that. Get out of here. I feel like he's fucking with us. I feel like there's no way that's true. That can't be real. There's, there's that cannot be real. Baseball been around for like 150 years, and he's 22nd all time. But honestly, sort of believable. Yeah. Yeah. Jesus, man. Wow. Okay. Uh, let's keep moving along. Uh, he mentioned Alex Verdugo back on Friday. How about the fact Bo Bichette could be back on Friday? Sounding like yeah. they're leaving the door open to it. Yeah. The expectation is that he'll come back from his quad injury this weekend. Uh, might be Friday there. Uh, Arden Zwelling said on, on X on Twitter. I have a hard time just calling it X. It's just, yeah, it's just going to be Twitter to me. I, I don't want to call it X. That's weird. Arden Zwelling said on Twitter that uh, Bo could be back on Friday, though. The other thing was Matt Chapman still uh, hasn't been swinging a bat yet with his blown up middle finger. Uh, so he might be a longer ways away. So I don't know. I guess we'll see what comes up next. The Buffalo kids have been doing well, so. Let them let them keep ripping. There's a Matt Chapman thing for you. Very weird contract year for Matt Chapman. I mean, he comes out of the yeah. gate so hot and then just right down. Is there maybe something to be talked about bringing him back for one more year? Like, is that mutually beneficial? Like if you're the Jays and you're like, hey, we got all these good young middle infielders, but maybe they're just not quite there yet. 
And if you're Matt Chapman, you're going, I was injured at the end of the year. I was brutal for long stretches. Why would I want to sign my five-year deal now? Why don't I just sign it next winter when I'm 31? Not that old still. A team will pay you for five years when you're 31. Why would you sign now when your value is maybe not that high? I wonder if there's not a chance to extend this marriage because of his struggles and injuries. Yeah, it's starting to look now like um, Matt Chapman might just accept the qualifying offer. If the like, I, I'd be stunned even with the the injury and the the difficult second half of the season. If the Jays didn't attach a qualifying offer to Matt Chapman and just let him go into free agency, no problem. There's, I, I'd, I'd be pretty shocked if they did that. But I also wouldn't be surprised at this point if he just said yes and took the you know one year. I think it'd be twenty million dollars salary at this point. Uh, would be the qualifying offer salary and come back for 2024 doing that. And then the Jays get an extra year to see if Addison Barger or, or Elvis Martinez or whoever it is, is going to be the third baseman of the future. Sure. I think it makes a lot of sense because I don't know, I don't feel the best about those guys stepping in full time immediately next year, but I also don't feel great about the Jays locking up Matt Chapman to a multi-year hundred million, $150 million contract either. Like when you look at it right now, I think his career earnings are like just a hair over 30. I think it's like 33, 34 mil. So like go to a guy who's made 33, 34 and say, Hey, in one year you can just make 20 and then you can be a, again, unrestricted free agent after it. I think that would be tempting for each side to do, but maybe I'm being just a little bit of a Homer um, shout out to Brett, who is now texting us in our group chat, the uh, proof for all of this. So yeah, Vladimir Guerrero yeah, Jr. See that. His last double play led to him passing Miguel Tejada on the grounding into double play all time list. And okay, I'm going to add some context here to be fair. The number one player on this list That's of all time is Guerrero senior Brett. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. This is, <laughs> this is Vladdy senior. Not Vladdy junior. That's so funny. Hey, no, it's, it's all the same. Bloodline's the same. We all count it. Nobody. Oh, nobody that's so funny. Just start, I just was start waiting, adding Vladdy Jr. to the punchline. The I'll fact that we bought that is so good. <laughs> Fuck, that's funny. We, we just Thank we you. literally thought over the course of what's he been in the league for? Vladdy's been in the league for what five seasons? He's grounded into two hundred and seventy-eight double plays over five years, and we're believing that. Like, like, yeah, absolutely, that actually makes sense. <laughs> yeah, that adds right. up. He grounds into a double play every single game. Hey, one letter, one letter. I'm legally blind. Give me a break. <laughs> Oh, no, I think that is tremendous. Um, all right, let's, uh, let's wrap this thing up. Let's talk about what's coming up against KC, where Vladimir Guerrero Jr. will surely ground into 88 double plays. Uh, Yusei Kikuchi gets the start in game one against Alec Marsh, who has a 6.23 ERA on the year. Oh, boy. Uh, Saturday, it's Kevin Gosman against Zach Granke, who will surely Freaky Friday body flip. And Zach Granke will go eight innings, one earned run, and Kevin Gosman will get shelled in the first three innings. Uh, Granke, 5.34 ERA. Uh, like you got to hammer the Royals those first two games. Those are not MLB quality arms. No, it's it's kind of stunning that Granke's still pitching. He's one in fourteen on the year. I know we don't love using pitcher wins and losses as a stat that means anything, but. Please don't be Zach Granke's second season, second win of the season. He's 39 years old and is striking out 5.9 batters per nine innings. And then this other guy, Marsh, 6.23 ERA, just like roster filler who's <laughs> there munching up innings. You have to win those two games because in the third one, the uh, the, the Royals yep. are throwing out Cole Reagans, this kid 
is uh, spectacular. He has a 1.51 ERA and he's striking out 11.9 batters for nine innings. So, I mean, the most Blue Jays thing ever would be to be shut down by one of these two, either Marsh or Granke in the first two games and then manage to get hits off of Cole Reagans inexplicably. That would be very Blue Jays. But um, yeah, what are, what are what are our predictions for this one? Do we feel comfortable saying winning the first two and losing the third one? Does that feel kind of accurate? Are they you gonna tee off on these pitchers? You know it's like, not going down that way. They are getting shut down in one of those first few games, and then they are going to annihilate Cole Reagans. Um, you talked about that ERA. That's his ERA, I think, as a starter, because as a reliever, like he started the year in the bullpen for them and like was kind of up and down, gave them some quality innings early, had a real rough stretch. I think it was in yeah, May and June. He was real, real, he had some tough goes couple of tough goes and then they made him a starter in like the middle of July. And he's just been like dynamite. Uh, his last start, he shut out the white Sox for six innings start before that. He shut out the pirates for seven innings start before that shut out the A's for six innings. Like he's dynamite, but it would be so on brand for this Jays team. If Granky goes seven strong and shuts him out and then they go put up 11 on Cole Reagans or something stupid. <laughs> Yeah, that would be, that'd be pretty on brand. So I think, I think we both agree two out of three here is what's happening. We're not going to sit here and say the Jays are pulling off a sweep. Are we? Oh, I I don't really want to say it because like this team just hasn't been capable of going on heaters all year. Their longest winning streak of the season is only six games. They have not had like Texas and Seattle and Houston have these runs where they'll rattle off eight or nine wins at some point. And right now it's the difference between them being comfortably in a playoff spot and where they are now they should be capable of getting hot for a weekend and sweeping the Orioles. And when you look at the fact Texas is getting Oakland, you might need to sweep if you want to hold on to your playoff spot. So I don't know. Well, speaking really of um, speaking of winning streaks, um, I, I we we completely forgot about this, but the Yankees are now on a five game winning streak. They're climbing back into the mix. Suddenly, those six games in late September don't look like easy wins anymore. They've they've called up a new kid, Jason Dominguez, and he's killing it. Yeah, he he has been unreal. Um, hit a dinger, I think, in his first game, and I think it was the youngest or one of the youngest Yankees to hit his uh, first career home run or something like that. He's electric. Uh, could be a problem. It's going forward. Great. Uh, awesome. the Red Sox, I really enjoyed the two months when the Yankees were dog shit. That was, that was awesome. <laughs> hey, we, we got our jokes in though. We made the most of those yeah. two months. Um, I think the Red Sox and Yankees like are, are done. The only problem I guess is kind of, yeah, what you said, if those two teams keep playing good ball, the Jays play the Yankees six times and the Red Sox three, like we were kind of looking at those as not free spaces on a bingo card, but easy matchups that may not be the case anymore, especially when, those six games against the Yankees, like you could very well get Garrett Cole twice and a highly motivated Garrett Cole. Cause he'll be trying to finish off a potential Cy young season. So yeah, not ideal. Um, not ideal at all, but three against the Royals and then four against the Rangers this next week. It's it's go time. This seven days defines their season. Yeah. Let's, let's start from scratch on our 10 and five, 15 game thing and worry now about this seven game stretch against Kansas city and Texas. I think if we do what five and two, five and two, you're two. There's no way Texas can pass you at that point. Right. Cause that would likely yeah. be a sweep of Kansas city and then a split against Texas. 
you're at least half a game up at that point still. Yeah, because that would assume even if Texas sweeps Oakland and splits with the Jays, then you're good. But yeah. you would like to get the tiebreaker against Texas because the Jays lost two of three in Texas early this year. So they have to win three of one to have the tiebreaker. They do have the tiebreaker against Houston, but not the tiebreaker against Seattle. Actually, that's a good point. Winning three of four instead of just two of two is like in a weird way. If you're following my logic here, it's almost like a three game swing because then yeah. not only will you gain another game on them, but establishing the tiebreaker is almost like being another full game up on a team. Yeah. So what's going to happen here? <laughs> I'm going to flip the script a little bit. They're going to lose two of three to Kansas City. And the only game they're going to win is against Cole Reagans. And then they're going to sweep Texas. <laughs> win all four. we will be so down in the dumps on monday morning and then oh yeah that would be that would be great i'll take it um i'm gonna be in toronto for that series finale against texas and i'm really hoping like dude if they win all three and that's a chance to sweep the rangers in that fourth game and i'm in the building i'll be very fired up for that um anyways three against the royals can't take anyone easy they're all major league ball players to an extent um no games are easy Let's hope the Jays go out and get a sweep. Uh, Coomsey, our friends at Patano, want to let everyone know that with the NFL season starting, they have all the odds. Thursday night football tonight, it is Lions and Chiefs. RIP to Travis Kelsey, fantasy football owners. Um, but maybe a spot for those underdog Detroit Lions with the injury news for KC. Plus 22 underdogs are the Lions. And uh, do they have anything up for Jays and Royals? Not yet. So keep it locked on Patano. Uh, Coomsey, good to have you back. Enjoy this series. I will try my best. Best wishes. Thanks for tuning in to Blue Jays Nation Radio. Don't forget to like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from to never miss an episode. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15 stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rose, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.